The short-lived Dawn of the Jedi publishing project may have only produced one novel, but it also produced a 15-issue comic book series by John Ostrander, and we're going to talk about it today. You're listening to Legends in 15 Minutes from the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Hello and welcome back to Legends in 15 Minutes. I'm your host for today, Johnny Maynard, but I am not alone. Joining me once again is Star Wars Book Community Finder and Tracks Book Reviewer, Chris Davies. Hi, Chris. Hello. And back with us is Legends Guru, Jesse Gardner. Hi, Jess. Hey, Johnny. How's it going? I'm good, Jess. Thanks. Uh, let's give the folks at home some context. So we are looking at the Dawn of the Jedi comic series that ran from 2013 to 2014. So one of the last series that Dark Horse completed before the main Star Wars comic license reverted to Marvel. It was collected in trade paperbacks at the time, but has more recently been republished as a Marvel epic collection single volume called Tales of the Jedi Volume 1. Slightly confusingly, given the existence of a separate comic series called Tales of the Jedi, uh, it's very much the larger part of the Dawn of the Jedi project. So in terms of timeline, we are still looking at a period some 25,000 years before the Battle of Yavin and the Skywalker saga. It was written by John Ostrander, who had been writing for Star Wars since 1998, including some very popular Star Wars Republic storylines. And here we find him working with frequent collaborator Jan Dersima, who is on art duties. The series falls into three story arcs, Force Storm, Prisoner of Bogan, and Force War. Force Storm very much focuses on a group of Jedi Journeyers, this era's version of Padawans, who encounter a dark warrior called Zesh. Zesh is a force hound from the Rakatan Empire, a sort of reluctant herald of the Rakata's imminent invasion. The second arc, Prisoner of Bogan, shifts focus, bringing to the fore Jedi Ranger Hawk Rio and his old friend, the shunned Jedi Dagon Locke, exiled to the moon of Bogan for his obsession with a vision of doom that maybe wasn't so crazy after all. And the final arc, Force War, drops us into the war between the Jedi and the Rakata before bringing the series to a close. So once again, there's a lot of world building going on here. When we talked about the novel Into the Void last time, we kept drifting back to these comics as touchstones, as stories that maybe do more of the heavy lifting in terms of establishing this era. Um, but Jess, I want to talk about the Rakata as an adversary first. Obviously, this is their earliest appearance chronologically, but we had seen them somewhere before. What can you tell us about that? Uh, we saw them in the Knights of the Old Republic. They, we we see the very last of them on at their home planet. Not their home. And they, they might be their home planet. It's been a hot minute since I played that game. Probably 10 years. But I do remember them. And what, what sticks out to me about the Rakata is they are responsible for Tatooine being a desert planet. It used to be this beautiful, verdant world. And when they got to the galaxy, they just burned it to the ground. And, you know, even 25,000 years later, it's still a desert. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. That sticks with how big of a threat they are. Absolutely brutal. It's all about domination and destruction. I... You're absolutely right. I think when you go to Tatooine in the Knights of the Old Republic 
game, I think maybe in, in discussions with some of the Tuscan raiders at their camp, you learn about the history of Tatooine, about how it was this verdant, beautiful, beautiful planet. And, and we do see that here at the start of, or early on in, in the opening story arc of the Dawn of the Jedi comics. Um, Tatooine is this sort of, it's, it's almost like um, June in reverse, the planet Arrakis right. from the June books, you know, um, that, that goes from goes from barren to sort of a, a paradise. Um, it looks gorgeous here, but obviously the Rakata leave it in a somewhat different state. Chris, you haven't played the Kotor RPG, have you? Uh, no, I've played. I've played bits of it. Okay. Um, it's. I struggle with the type of game that it is. Uh-huh. So I'm, I remember getting it when it first came out on the Xbox, and didn't get on with it. And then I've got it again for my Switch, and I didn't get on with it. But I will keep trying. It, no, <laughs> so I, I get it. There, it no. There's a, there's a lot of talking. <laughs> in it. The talking doesn't bother me. Okay. It's the whole stop start nature of the battle system, yeah. which is strange because I do love turn based fighting, you know, Final Fantasy and that, but I don't know what it is. There's something about Western RPGs which I just find a little bit janky. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe m- maybe you can have another bash at it. And, and yeah. And w- w- whenever we come to cover Knights of the Old Republic uh, on one of these shows, you, you can give us a fresh perspective on it. As someone yeah, who hasn't absolutely. played that game all the way through, how did the Rakata work for you as a challenge to the Jedi here? Um, yeah, I, I thought they were great. Um, they're generally imposing. They're new. They're fresh. They very much exist within the Star Wars universe. Mm. Um, and you can tell that, but they are um, different enough. Uh, and they seem a lot more um, openly brutal than the Empire, or even the Sith, to be honest. Um, they are all about conquest, whereas Sith are about passion, aren't yeah. they? Which can mean many different things. Um, but they're definitely, definitely, they're quite brutal. And I found the dynamic with the different, um, the sort of class structure and the the ranking within the Rakatan. Um, Ricardo, sorry, um, generally quite fascinating, especially with their little human human slave thing. Yeah, so that the they're quite alien looking, but they do have human slaves uh, in various capacities, including these uh, what they call force hounds. Um, That's it, force hounds. Who yeah. are a sort of scouts slash heralds of doom who sort of seem to seek out force rich planets for them to plunder but you're right they are absolutely brutal and, and not, they're not just conquest but cannibalism <laughs> you know if you know yeah and you know they, they will they, they will quite readily take down one of their own number if they're standing in that way yeah it reminded me of things like um game of thrones and stuff like that or um you know those those classic though like um you see the old Russian documentaries about how it works there. They're very much um, looking at to stab each other in the back, as as well as as well as you know other people. Like the old Roman Empire, you know, it's very much that kind of vibe, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and m- maybe a little bit of Klingon or something in there as well. The Rakata definitely an imposing adversary, but you know th- th- they are not. Unopposed, we we meet a lot of Jedi here. Mm. Certainly, far too many to do justice to in the time that we've got. Um, are there any that stand out to you guys in particular? Either that particularly engage you while you're reading, or or that linger in your memory afterwards, Chris? Uh, me, yeah, I liked um, Hawk Hawk Ryo, isn't it? And uh, is it Dagon mm. Lock? Yep. So Hawk Ryo was a Twi'lek Ranger. Yes. 
So yep. Hawk Ryo reminds me very much of someone like, and it's going to happen again, mate, uh, someone like Stellan Geos from the High Republic. In uh-huh. the fact that he is a character which is maybe not the main character, but he seems almost like the thread that binds the stories together. So he's yeah. mentioned more, more so than any of the Jedi in the Into the Void novel. You see him here in the background, and then he's the feature of one of the short stories as well, isn't he? Absolutely, and yeah. the short story is called Eruption, and it features Hawk Ryu and um, Lannery, Lannery Brock, the protagonist from Into the Void. Um, I mean, and, and another good thing to note is, obviously, I like a lot of the Jedi characters. I like the way at the beginning of the story, they're all thrown together um, by how all having the same vision of this yeah. figure who we find out is Zesh. Um, so they're all brought in there and they kind of know each other. They've got little beefs with each other. It's almost like a high school vibe because they are yeah. they are almost Jedi. They're all Jedi in training, aren't they? Uh, so they're not quite Padawans, but they are Jedi in training. Um, the only sort of downside I'd say is that it, there's, um, it does fall into the trap that a lot of Legends comics do where the females are like just wearing basically pants and they're all extremely busty. So that kind of tracks a little bit from the female characters because they deserve a little bit better than the art that they got. Um, but generally, they're all, they're all well-rounded, decent characters, and I enjoyed them a lot. And Zesh. Zesh and Tris. Oh, my God. Tris. But you, you, sorry, you asked about Jedi, Trill. didn't you? Trill. Yeah, sorry, Trill. Yeah, so that's right, sorry. Trill. Yeah, the, 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 the Force Hound. Yeah, so obviously you asked about Jedi, so I'll leave Trill out of it for yeah. the minute. Um, but yeah, there's some great characters there. I just wish they were a bit more um, modestly represented. It, well, it's interesting that you say that because as, as I was prepping for this episode and I, I was just curious because I had always assumed that Jan Dersima was actually Jan Dersima, uh, a, a gentleman with perhaps a European sur- a forename. It's actually Jan because it, it's a lady. Um, and it, it's interesting that she has chosen to... to draw the women in that way um, she did it in Night Star Republic as well in John Jackson's Night Star Republic she doesn't do all the art, she does a a few issues here and there, but you can tell when it's her because, what's the main Jariel yeah, her, when when she's drawn by her she's like page 3 model you know what I mean, like a centrefold as Americans would say Um, I think it was very much uh, a phase that comic art was going through I think yeah, it's the Sin City spawn, it was that kind of like comics for adults that kind of matrix yeah. phase i should yeah. say um i mean don't get me wrong i'm no prude you know but i feel like there has to be a more of a, a level playing field between the i, I think what, well i mean i guess the, the, there's the, there's something for the ladies here in uh you know is it Se- Seknos wrath the, the very very buff sith um yeah, guy. but he's, he's a red guy with, you with know, that, that guy is all abs. I mean, he he has extra abs. That, that I, don't, I don't know if all, I don't know if all Sith have that many abs, but he has all the abs. Um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it is interesting, and I think it's notable because in the canon era, the the depiction of female characters I think ha- has changed. You know? I think I think they're taking the cues from Ray, aren't they? There's a conscious decision now to to not do that or not do it so much. Jess, what about you um, and, and the Jedi here? Are there any that particularly stick with you? Uh, again, it was Hawk Rio and Dagan Locke, so I'm gonna have to stretch and say I really enjoy Zesh, and I think her name was Shay. 
it reminded me a little bit of the Luke Skywalker Mara Jade dynamic, but flipped on his head. We have the Ricotta Hound, the assassin character, and the Jedi with Shay. So, and she was kind of interesting too because riding the Rancor, the Dathomirian witch kind of vibe. Well, yeah, she, she is Dathomiri, isn't she? So Dathomir is one of the one of the planets that um, was sort of, I guess, harvested by the Thuyor uh, to to bring people to to the Tython system. So, yeah, I mean, it, and 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 I guess maybe they would have explored this further had there been more stories. We don't really get a sense that there had yeah. been night sisters or witches or witchcraft yeah, on Dathomir prior to that. There was. Night, yeah, oh, that's true. I, that it was just heartbreaking to me that we didn't get more. Because the, the, the idea of a Dathomir, the idea of a Dathomir witch Jedi is amazing, <laughs> and you know, and and, and Shay Cordo was kind of all set up to do that. Uh, well, I guess. well, we kind of have that in Ventress. We 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 did we did yeah. get a bit of that, in canon. Yeah. yeah, we do. We have well, we, before Ventress, we had before Ventress, we had um. Fiona Kier or Fiona Kier. Oh, you, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to prompt me on on where that fits in, Jesse, because my legends knowledge is probably failing me. Oh, that's um. Oh heavens, Luke's first student in courtship of Princess Leia when they go, and the the woman who tries to knock Luke out and marry him. She's like, "You're my husband." He's like, "No." That she ends up marrying the prince, and they have gotcha. a daughter. And that she is of one of Luke's original students, and her daughter joins the Skywalker family by marrying Jason oh, Solo, and they have a I child. I didn't know that. So the death of Mary bloodline intercedes with the Skywalkers and Solo. That's cool. Later in canon or in yeah. legends. Yeah, no, I I did not know that. This is why I'm looking forward to doing this show because it's going to force me to read. All of this stuff in due course. Um, okay, so last time we talked about the novel Into the Void and some of the ways in which the Jedi differ from the Jedi that we know from other eras and some of the ways that maybe they aren't so different. And Jess, you had noticed a parallel between Anakin Skywalker and the troubled character of Dillian Brock in Into the Void, um, noting in particular that the Jedi just did not know what to do with this troubled kid. And in these comics, we see a Jedi Order whose response to someone who is struggling with finding balance is to exile them to the moon that they associate with the dark side. Um, we see that with Dagon Locke. We see it with Zesh. Uh, what, what, what's going on there, Jess? I don't know. <laughs> they just seem to kind of... They just sit in the dark until you see the light. It's kind of their solution, and it's totally backwards to me. I don't feel that they knew what to do with it. And they like they put him in prison, and that that didn't make sense to me. And what I what I enjoyed is the not the power the journeyers. They had the same response I did. And they went, "That's you know, wait a minute, maybe these guys weren't crazy. This is really going on. We need to help them." Yeah. And I like to think that they you know they would have learned their lesson. But again, we see them with Anakin twenty five hundred years later, twenty five thousand years later, and <laughs> no, they hadn't learned their lesson. Uh, or even Sifo-Dyas. You know, he, he was... But he had a master who took him away from the Order and, like, kind of kept his insanity. Or that would have been an interesting... Yeah. Another tangent. Yeah. I mean, if I can add to that as well, 
um you got to think like 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 i did when we mentioned the into the void episode if you look back in our history you know if you look back only a few hundred years we were literally burning people at the stake because we didn't understand them do you know what i mean and this is twenty five thousand years yeah. before you know so that's true it's, it's a completely different world it's going to be nowhere near as developed as you know um socially as developed i should say as what we find in the skywalker saga true i was more slamming the jedi of the prequel era first yeah no i was talking more about how they um ex exiled um what's his chops to the moon yeah yeah they left him yeah 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 i guess you're right maybe it is sort of intended to evoke kind of a, a an earlier time just just as the rakata are are almost primitively brutal and cannibalistic and animalistic the even the right. even the ancient jedi of this era are sort of you know maybe so, somewhat less progressive than you might expect of yeah i mean beings, we've seen perhaps. that before in canon in, in the phasma novel that wasn't years and years ago but it was a more primitive primitive civilization and they had way different thresholds um, to the, rest yeah. of the universe so i mean this is obviously yeah. this is twenty five thousand years before so god knows we should probably talk about lightsabers or or the lack of lightsabers um, because Jedi in this era don't have them initially. Uh, they have these Durasteel swords um, and it's actually Zesh, the Force Hound and the Rakata who brings something called a Force Saber into the mix. Um, Chris, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so I did quite like this idea. So I like the, the imagery of Jedi with metal swords. It, again, it 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 adds to that image of like um, of a more a more natural world, um, a more not primitive as such, but like more primitive than what we're used to. Um, it, it gives it, it gives it an edge, and it, it creates quite nice like imagery. Um, the the force swords um, were a cool they're a cool concept. They're a little bit video gamey, um, but you know for, in, in as the comics are a visual medium, they do work well. And um, someone can remind me how they work. I remember they were they they were how they were powered was actually quite interesting. If someone could just refresh your mind, you basically channel your hit. It's basically channeling the dark side. So yes, that was you, you it. need so, you need to tap. Yeah, there's no activation switch. You need to tap into the dark side to make this thing switch on. Yeah, and that that was quite a good plot device within the story, if I remember correctly. Because um, obviously, to 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 use those to get the job done, that the the task in the, in these arcs, they have to tip the balance one way. Exactly, and obviously that creates quite an interesting dynamic. So, 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 so the Rakata sort of bring the threat. They also bring the technology that the Jedi need to really engage them in battle properly. But the risk is yeah. that they are tipping themselves further and further into the dark side. Yes, which is fascinating. I mean, speaking of that. About the, about the Rakata coming in, one thing that I did actually find really quite interesting, um, and the book goes into this as well, but I think the comics does it a little bit more. Um, this system, this deep core system that Tyson is part of, I believe there's eight planets in a station, mm -hmm. um, it's very separated from the rest of the universe. Yeah. So while you have that panel at the beginning where you've got um, the Rakata um, destroying Tatooine and other worlds and stuff, that's not something that, that our characters here know about because 
they are so disconnected because of the lack of the lack of hyper travel um the, in their technology anyway um just made just makes them must be disconnected from the rest of the galaxies that we all know of so the Rakata are obviously out there doing their thing but they just don't see it they don't know of them and i found that created quite a nice uh dynamic and angle um for the story and it really um put a spotlight on how different and isolated these jedi characters are uh, from what we know i know that i wasn't about lightsabers but you just, you just reminded me no absolutely <laughs> all good all good let's think about connections then to other stories because we discussed last time the fact that we have a dawn of the jedi moving in production some elements of these legend stories planet tython concept of ashland bogan for example have already made their way into canon uh, and I guess we've talked about some connections already to other legend stories, such as the Knights of the Old Republic video game with Rakata remnants popping up, that sort of thing. Are there any others? Jess, I think you've got some. There there are. This is two that I'm just excited to talk about. Excellent. At the end of The Mandalorian Season 2, mm -hmm. when Luke is flying in, he flies past the Starforge, and that's a Rakatan super weapon. And the Rakatan Infinite Empire is mentioned in the fourth episode of Andor. Luthien talks about it. It was! It, it floored me when I was going over this. I went, holy... How had I forgotten and, uh, that? They are. They're canon now. I had forgotten, too. And I was watching lore videos and went, no. And I went back and went, oh, it's true. The Rakata Empire. That Empire is, is fascinating. Not, it's, not. I'm in the, absolutely excited for that movie. Now. Yeah, not least in the context of the James Mangold Dawn of the Jedi movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, seeing the Starforge, you know, and knowing they are in the back, you know, the nerdy part of my brain, and then to hear Luthen pull it in, I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the fourth episode of Andor. That is very, very interesting. Chris, what about you? Have you got anything, any connections? Well, on that, actually, yeah, I've got more to add on that. See, it wasn't just mentioned in Andor. It was mentioned before that. It um, showed up in one of the star maps in The Force Awakens as Rakata Prime. Really? Which is known as the homeworld of the Rakata. It later got name, renamed to Lehon, L-E-H-O-N. And that planet was in Resistance. Um mm -hmm. And other things oh, as well. Wow. I'm just having a look. I'm trying to look it up because I've definitely knew there was something in there. So, okay, it's mentioned in Choose Your Destiny and Escape Mission. Hunter's Battle for the Arena. Uh, it's mentioned in there, the book. Uh -huh. uh, and it's in Star Wars Resistance and Star Wars Adventures Volume 1. So it's been mentioned in quite a few, a few places. It's popping up. Yeah, it seems, from what I can well. see, it's your nerdy authors and fanboys sneaking it in there. But it is canon yeah. now, you know? But it's known in Beautiful. our time as Lehon. Well, not our time, you know, the Skywalker side of time. Well, the one that jumped out to me on, on literally panel one uh, of the first story arc um, is the planet Ando Prime. Uh, and that's simply because um, I, I was a massive fan and I'm still a massive fan of the Star Wars Racer game from 1999, um, which which featured Ando Prime um, as the setting of probably my favorite courses on that game. Um, it was all sort of very sort of Tibetan mountains with prayer flags. And if you think back to the, the Clone Wars season six, there's a planet there, Bardotta, that 
very much embodies the same vibe, um, but but wasn't Andrew Prime. Uh, so as soon as I saw Andrew Prime, my sort of my my, my young twenty something um, N sixty four fan. Uh, their heart skipped a beat, and uh, I was very, very pleased to see it again. I don't know if it's been referenced elsewhere in, uh, in Legends. I'll have a look since... now, actually. It's been mentioned in a few places. So it's mentioned in the old, the old public game, um, and the expansion right. Shadow of Revan. It was, and it was mentioned in Attack of the Clones. It appears in one of the holograms. Was it? Oh, okay. Yeah, like oh, briefly, but really? its first appearance was Episode One, right after, like you said. I mean, after we finish recording, I'm going to need to fire up my Switch and just have a quick go on that. Just Yeah, I've got that as well, actually. It's quite fun, that is. It holds up well, actually, doesn't it? It, it really does. The, the, that, that Switch port is very, very good, actually. Yeah, I'm hoping they do Rose Squadron next. That would be amazing. Yeah, we, we've hit time for final thoughts, I think. So, uh, how are we feeling about the Dawn of the Jedi comic run, Jesse? Loved it. Absolutely would recommend it, especially with the Dawn of the Jedi movie coming up. Yeah, I'm hoping that there'll be a little bit of overlap. So, no, I, I loved it. It held up. You should all pick it up, read it. Definitely read it. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Chris? Absolutely. If Dawn of the Jedi, the comics, are a perfect distillation of what makes Legends great, it's full of bombastic, bombastic action, boobs, crazy action, <laughs> you know, like world-ending stuff that you don't, get in canon like yeah. i love canon i think i might actually even prefer canon but one thing that legends does so well is these big crazy ridiculous action set pieces doomsday devices and this is just it's like a perfect version of that so yeah. absolutely give it a read yeah it, it it's bold i mean i, I like yeah. it a lot uh you know as i said before i enjoy it when star wars feels different and gets a bit of a remix the story here does feel a little bit rushed at the end i guess because i i presume they knew that the license was reverting to marvel and they just had to cut to the chase and and tell the story of the war yeah that, that was my thoughts too yeah you, you know but you know that aside i think they still stick the landing and it's perfectly satisfying um and i i enjoy it every single time that i come back to read it and i probably do read it you know maybe once every couple of years um and enjoy it every single time um so i think that's going to wrap us up for the dawn of the jedi comics guys where can folks find you online if they want to get hold of you yeah so obviously you can follow me on instagram as sw book collector uh, i also write for fan for track so if you look at their website my name is chris davis i'll be on there um, also, I'd like to mention that uh, I'm the I own and the admin of a Facebook group called the Non-Toxic Star Wars Fan Base. So if you want to talk about all aspects of Star Wars and you want a place where you can do that freely without any possibility of derision or gatekeeping or anything like that, please check out the Non-Toxic Star Wars Fan Base on Facebook. They are wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Great bunch of folks in there. And yeah. Jess, what about you? can find me on instagram uh legends twin sign 1980 um and that's the best place to contact me for star wars i'm also on facebook but that's just me <laughs> excellent and you can get hold of me on instagram and twitter mostly on instagram as at journals of the wills that's journals with an s and wills with an itch and of course you can get hold of the podcast team on instagram and twitter just look for at swbc 
podcast. Legends in 15 Minutes will hopefully be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, We'll be starting to take a look at the Tales of the Jedi comics, some nostalgic favourites of mine. Uh, The next canon in 15 Minutes should be looking at Darth Maul's Son of Dathomir, a comic that actually straddles both continuities by virtue of its publication schedule. Uh, But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Chris. Goodbye. And goodbye from Jess. Goodbye, and may the force be with you. And it's a goodbye from me.